Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. I'm your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hayfley. Today, we're getting into the free agents conversation probably for the final time until after the draft when it'll heat back up again. And we figured what better way to do it than answer all the burning questions y'all listeners had left. We got quite a few. A lot of different things to get to. Of course, we always start with the questions asked on thednvr.com. If you want to make sure your question gets answered, hit us up on any episode of the podcast there, and we will get to your questions. So some of these might not necessarily apply to free agency, but that's where we're going to start. Uh, We have a question from Joe in Seoul. He asks about how the bubble is in Edmonton and wants to know, does Edmonton lose some of its home ice advantage due to the experience all of these teams are getting on their ice? At this point, the Avs have played nearly 40% of a regular season slate of games on this ice, as have an other handful of teams. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that heading into next season. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um. I, I could buy it a little bit more if every team was using the the, the road, like the same locker room that they were going to be in. Yeah. And they had developed an actual routine that they could follow when they're in Edmonton the next time. But because of the bubble environment, because they're all in this hotel and they make this walk, you know, and, and they're fenced in and all the, all the different things that were set up for all these guys. Uh, the fact that there's no fans, I don't. I don't think it's going to lose uh, its luster. It's it's home ice luster. I thought about this previously, and I just. I don't. I don't think it loses that advantage. Part of the advantage is having the the crowd on your side. So when crowds are allowed to come back, Oilers fans are still going to fill it, and they're going to be in the load the road locker room uh, instead of like bouncing around locker rooms like they were, and uh, whatever whatever comfort they might have had. Uh, will not be will will not be representative of the experience they have during a regular environment. Yeah, I. It's there's a very like niche situation next year where, if somehow the NHL is still in the bubble, there still aren't fans, and Edmonton is a hub city for the regular season. Maybe there's a certain level of comfortability, but. Certainly, I don't expect a significant difference. I Look, I think the advantage of knowing the ice and the arena is pretty oversold. Like, sure, a couple of arenas might have bouncier boards or whatever, but yeah. that's something you can figure out in, like, two periods. Playing there for 15 games, unless there's something really funky going on with that arena, it's not that much different. Oh, and even if it's even if they were funky boards, they're still funky. You know, as much as you can quote unquote figure them out, if you can if you can figure them out and play them with a hundred percent comfort, they're not that funky. They just require a little bit of adjustment. You know, it's, it was one of the things with the old Joe Lewis Arena was the puck would do crazy things off the boards there, but it also happened to Detroit. Like they were still the victim of that, so. You know, but if if the boards were even funky, then they're funky for everybody, and that you know it doesn't change. You can only make so many adjustments to unpredictability, right? It, it you can I guess come prepared and know weird bounces happen, but 
it's hard to use those to your advantage a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, so simply put, no, not really. I don't think anyone will have eliminated any home ice advantage there. Yeah. Um, our next question comes from Denver in Dallas. Uh, this might be a bit niche, but I'd be interested to hear you guys talk about the analytical influence on recent abs acquisitions and targets and how that could help to predict future moves. So many of the players named in recent years seem to point directly to what you'd expect from Parnas and DTM, assuming it's still them in the analytics department. Yeah, I mean, they're part of the process. Yep. Um, you know, when you look at a guy like Burakovsky, uh, you look at a guy like Donskoy, um, you know, they they have different attributes that the Avalanche like that fit their style. You know, Burakovsky obviously has a, a goal-scoring element to his game that we all said, hey, if you give this guy more opportunity and put him in a top six, he could, he could blossom for you and turn into a top six player for you. Bam! Happened. Um, you know, Donskoy really good at carrying the puck through the neutral zone, which ended up being a double-edged sword this year because he got bopped a couple times. And that was, that was a reason for him to struggle with the injuries the way that he did uh, was that he, he put himself in vulnerable positions to, to, to receive big hits and, and he took he them in the head. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there, there were some ups, there was, the, the analytics are part of the process. You know, they 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 still have traditional scouting methods that they go out there and they identify guys that they like. And then they run them through the analytics and they do all their different checks and they say, okay, this is how we're going to value this guy based on our results. And, and, you know, if they really like a guy and the team is receptive, then they're going to go, they're, they're, they're going to go and try and get him. I, I think... Yeah, and emphasis on the fact that it's part of the process. There are uh, no decision gets made based solely on analytics, and I think no decision gets made without at least checking the analytics in the majority of NHL teams at this point. So, yeah, there are still some teams that could use a little more of an analytics tilt into their uh, into into what they do on a regular basis, but analytics is just one of those things where. You know, like Toronto, people people are so excited to dunk on Kyle Dubas in Toronto. Like, oh, where where are the where where are the nerds getting you, huh? They haven't gotten you anywhere. And it's like, okay, sure. Analytics are useless. You go, guy. <laughs> um, but then you see there are teams out there who have invested heavily in analytics. The Avalanche being one of them. They when Wall left, they went deep into that into that yep. side of things, and they started doing serious work on uh, on on a lot of different elements. And as as a result of that, their process got better. Is that is it a hundred percent a result of that? No, of course not. Um, as always, as always is the case. You got to They everything has to work together. That's a well-oiled machine. You're not looking at the analytics solely and saying, oh, well, here's a heat map. Therefore, this guy's good. Therefore, this guy's bad. There's there's more to it than that. Yeah. it It's never that simple. Uh, you have to – everything has to be cross-referenced. The eye test exists for a reason. Just like analytics, you can't trust it solely. But the way I like to put it is – if your base statistics and your eye test aren't lining up, that warrants more investigation into what's happening with a player. Yeah, 
you got to figure out what's going on. You yep. got to figure out which one of those, you know, which one is off and why. Yep. And then decide how, you know, how important is that to you? Well, you know, do you, or does that ultimately change your mind on somebody or does that, you know, whatever there's a lot. And part of the traditional scouting process is also getting background on guys. How is that guy in the locker room? Yep. You know, how does that guy, how does that guy treat waiters? You know, does this guy, is this guy nice to his pets? You know, like what kind of, what kind of person is this at his core? Who's this guy when he's away from the ice? How much can we trust him? Right. You know, like getting to know somebody, all of that. We we think about traditional scouting. We think about guys, you know, guys with notepads taking, taking down observations about how a guy skating or how hard he plays or does he go into the corners hard or, you know, things that solely happen on the ice, but a ton of, a ton of the uh, scouting is also figuring out who that person is and what makes them tick, you know, figuring out the core of that individual. And that's a big part of that process as well, which is why it's still invaluable. And it's not just a, well, let's just turn it over to the, to the, to the spreadsheets and make decisions from there, which nobody is advocating for because we know that it misses things. Exactly right. Um, speaking of, of learning who a guy is off the ice, necessarily, quick one for you here from Facebook. Betty asks, do you think EJ would waive his NMC next summer so the Avs can protect another player? We don't have to get into the conversation. Just give me a, yeah, a yes probably. or no. Yeah, probably. All right. I like that answer. One more from thednvr.com. This one is actually a trade proposal. It's a big three-way trade where Colorado receives Frederick Anderson and Ilya Mikheyev from Toronto. Toronto gets Ryan Graves from Colorado and Matt Murray from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh gets Tyson Jost and Pavel Francouz from Colorado as well as a second-round pick from Toronto. So the Avs end up giving up Jost, Francouz, and Graves for Frederick Anderson and Ilya Mikheyev. Um, I don't know that I'm excited about Mikheyev in that. Um, I would probably prefer a guy like Andreas Johnson, but I guess I'm just picking nits at that point. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, there's a, so many moving parts. The abs ultimately lose Graves, Jost and Francois. But they get Freddie Anderson back, so that gives them an Anderson Grubauer tandem, and then Mikheyev, uh replaces Jost's spot in the lineup, which is somewhere in the top twelve, somewhere doing yeah, something. Right. Um. You know, Toronto gets Graves and Matt Murray. They get a defender who's going to be cheap. Um, Matt Murray helps them, and. I mean, Colorado just doesn't really give up a whole lot here that they can't already replace. And McKayev gets replaced in the trade. Um, Francois gets replaced in the trade. Graves gets replaced by Bone Byram or whoever. By Byram yeah. or Timmons. And then, you know, if Freddie Anderson's good for you, then you just re sign him. Yep. I guess I'm the real. The base of this proposal, proposal as the Colorado Avalanche is how do you feel about a Grubauer-Anderson tandem? Better than you do about a Grubauer-Francois tandem? True enough. But 
But does I mean, it make you it, that much better is the question? Yeah. How much better does it make you? But uh, I I mean, we just the only way to find out would be to do it. I think Anderson, I think Anderson is a top 10 goaltender. I think Grubauer is a top 15 goaltender. I've said this before. I think Anderson is probably a min-max uh, on Grubauer. Yep. But with both of them going into the last years of their deal, you know, you that's great for one year. But you're going to lose Grubauer next year in free agency and then you're the ideally you're going to lose Grubauer. He's going to go somewhere else. And then you're going to be in the bat market for a backup. Maybe that's Werner, I guess. And then you, you're re-signing Freddie Anderson. Yeah. Assuming it all works out. Right. Assuming so, he plays well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not, um, I mean, Freddie Anderson's 30 years old, so it's, I wouldn't say he's old. He's typical goaltender age go i should say typical free agency goaltender age yeah i did grubauer turns 29 november so it's there's not a huge age disparity here we've said it time and time again and and look goalies can fall off early but goalies playing into their mid to late 30s is not uncommon yeah so you're not taking as much of a risk, certainly, by signing a bit older of a goalie. Um, one more question here now as we move into our, our Twitter questions. Um, Vegas Avs fan asks, are there any Avs expiring UFAs that they would be willing to re-sign for the coming season? Willing to, I'm sure. Like, yeah, if Matt Nieto wanted to come back on a one-year deal, I'm sure he at would the do same it. price that he's making now or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure he would do it, uh, or I'm sure the team would be willing to do it. I don't know why Matt Nieto would do it. He's right. put himself in line to get the Matt Calvert contract. He's earned it. Go and get it somewhere. Colorado can't give them can't give him that deal. So, I mean, Colorado Colorado shouldn't give him that deal. Um. So you know. Go, you know, Nieto, Nieto should go get paid. Colin Wilson would be thrilled if he can get any NHL job at this point. So I bet he would take it. I don't know why. The, I don't think the abs would do it. And then Domestikov, I mean, I guess it, it's, it's the it's same sounded, conversation, right? <laughs> yeah. Domestikov is probably going to get a multi-year offer from somebody that's going to be too rich for Colorado's blood. And it should be. You have Martin Kaut ready to go. You don't yep. need Vlad Nemesnikov, really. It's money-spending uh, prioritizing time for the ass. Uh, oddly enough, though, the one UFA that they might be most willing to bring back, probably Kevin Connaughton to be a 7th Yep. I have a question about that as well in a little bit, but we do need to take our first period break and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, excuse me, the beer of DNVR. You can find eight different types on tap down at the DNVR bar. Highly recommend you go down there and check out the bar if you haven't yet. A bunch of awesome stuff. It's going to be an awesome venue for our draft day coverage for the NHL. We're going to have a lot more info about that coming out. There is going to be an awesome watch party, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Make sure you RSVP quickly because it will fill up going to be a lot of fun we have a lot of awesome stuff planned for that so just keep your eyes peeled and have a breck brew while you're sitting and watching or if you're at home or not in the colorado area you can always get breck brew at your local liquor store check out their breck beer locator online and find your favorite breck brew near you of course excuse me wow 
struggling today. We also have DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there and the main sponsor of this podcast, bringing you amazing odds boost deals every single week. It's it's just awesome. With week two of football over, you can check out all the scores. You can check out where every team is looking. Got to tell you, the Broncos having the same injury troubles as the Avs, so maybe not the best bet in the world. Either way, though, you'll have plenty to bet on every single week. All new users get a chance to turn $1 into $100 when you sign up with the DNVR code. All you have to do is place a bet on any team, and if that team wins, you will get 100 to 1 odds, turning a fresh 100 for you right then and there. So even if football isn't for you, you can head on over and bet on the UFC. Their odds boosts on that are insane. For all of the major UFC cards, they usually do an odds boost that is basically like free money. In the past, if a fight made it over 12 seconds, you won the bet. So yeah, they're almost giving away money at this point. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that DNBR code when you sign up to get those amazing offers. There's something in the odds boost every single week. The $100 for $1 is one of their better ones right now, though. So now's a great time to sign up for a limited time only. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings. Answering your questions based on free agency and potential acquisitions. Our next question comes from Sly, and I saw a couple others asking about this a little bit. Sly asks, is it reasonable for the Avs to attempt to go out and acquire Petrangelo as well as Tyler Toffoli? Both, no. Okay. That's too much money. Yep, I would agree. You're talking about the Avs have $22 in space. That's probably, I would say that's about $15 Yep. um, Just for those two players, and then... The Avs have $7 million left to figure out what to do with Burakovsky, Graves, Zadorov. And Burakovsky's taking well over half of that himself. So, yeah. It, uh, you know, I would say, I would say no. I think you could find a world where, you know, maybe you get them for a bit cheaper, 14, even 13 million, depending on deals there, but there's still not enough room to resign all the guys that they would need to. Yeah, um, and then even just moving off Zadorov would yeah. not, you know, you'd probably be looking at moving Zadorov and Graves. Yep. Um, you'd have to. You'd have to have a conversation about what to do with Nachushkin uh, and Jost. Burkowski's deal would almost certainly have to be a bridge deal to make that work, and then then you're really rolling the dice with what his next contract looks like in two years. You're creating a lot of work for yourself. Yeah. Well, you're creating, you're creating a lot of work that you have to do again. Yeah. Not just now, but later for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, which isn't, honestly, it's not the worst idea. I think giving Burakovsky a two or a three year deal is probably the smartest move at this point. I would give him a three year deal. Um, And then, because then you've given it, you've given him time to show that he, earns he's earned big money and then you also let the cap go up and things like that so i maybe I still would if, like maybe it does yeah right you don't know for sure i'd still wouldn't mind a long-term deal for burakovsky but uh 
without be real careful with that money without making significant changes to the roster two big ufa moves is going to be tough basically yeah so to foley alone I Foley's mean, an odd fit in Colorado yeah, too. He, he doesn't fit their style. He's a player I like, but it, a weird fit in Colorado. And let's be honest, he's not Plan A. Taylor Hall is Plan A on the offensive side. If you're going out and looking to improve there, so more of a, a backup option perhaps. And sometimes it's hard to get those guys signed. Next question. We have from Colin a bit of a different take. We've talked about Dustin Bufflin on the defensive side, but on the offensive side, do you see Avs taking a run at Jesse Puyuyarvi and that trade market with how he has played overseas this season? No. That simple? Um, I mean, I mean, the Avs have enough questions. Uh, in their forward core, going so, out, going out of their way to get a to to have to to bring in another question mark, and then if you were really, really, really confident that he lives up to all of his potential and he was going to be the guy that they thought he was going to be, then sure. So this I don't know what the price is, but you've effectively tied this into another question we got from Robin, and that being, are the Avs too good for reclamation projects now? And in a flat cap world. Can anyone really afford reclamation projects? I mean, I don't. I don't think they're too good for reclamation projects. It's just that the reclamation projects have to fill a specific n- need. You know, I think that's one area where when we talk about Val Nachushkin, is that he brought an element that they needed. He was a very, very good defensive winger on a team that was lacking in that area, but also had uh, he also the big thing when Nachushkin was he produced enough offense that you could justify running him out there for 15 minutes a night. Yep. If he doesn't, you know, if, if you, there are a lot of, there are a lot of guys out there who can give you quality defensive minutes, but won't score for you. You can find them all over the AHL. They're everywhere. The, the Gabe Bork type of guys are all over the place where it's like, look, this guy will play hard for you. He'll hit. He's a high effort guy. He'll play on the PK. He could do all the defensive things that you want him to do. He might even be a little good at him, but he's not going to score. And you just can't afford to have those kinds of black holes in your lineup. You have to be able to be dangerous. And that's one of the things that we learned in the last two with with the abs teams from, from one and two years ago was that if that bottom six is just no threat to score whatsoever, then it's too hard. It's too hard to win every night. You know, there are games, there will be stretches. We saw even in this last postseason where those guys struggled to score. But it didn't last very long, and that's what made them as dangerous and as prolific offensively as they were. Even against Dallas, they continued to be prolific offensively, and it was because of their ability to get offense from... Depth. Yeah, from from 9 or 10 forwards on a, on a semi-regular basis. So, you know, that reclamation projects need to, they need to fill a hole that you have on your roster. What, what does, what does Puli Yarvi bring that Colorado doesn't already have? Now he brings that top six upside. He could, he could be a legit, really good NHL player, top six guy, good size, you know, maybe a bit of a power element to his game. And 
that would be that would be great. But Colorado would have to dedicate right. not only the assets to going out to get him because Edmonton has made it obvious that they're not giving him away for cheap. But, Otherwise, he would be long gone. They'd have but to they give also him the have to give time. Him, yeah, exactly. They have to give him the ice time. Yep. And so I think that combination just makes Colorado not a very good fit for him. Um, that's it, it, he's a he's a great fit for you know if you're Detroit or Los Angeles. Uh, or Ottawa, and you have a bunch of second round picks just sitting around. Uh, you could take it to you. Hey, do you want to use the 59th pick or do you want to try and get Jesse Pulley Like, that's a way different conversation for those teams where they can give him the ice and just see what happens. And if he turns out, that's it's a great move for them. But Colorado, Colorado's just in a little bit of a different situation, especially because of the strength of their forwards that are coming up. Uh, and and graduating from the a- AHL to the NHL, they're in a position where all three of Bowers, Cout, and Logan O'Connor should be in Avs uniforms at some point over the next year. I'm not saying all three are going to be regulars or they're going to be full time guys, but like those are all guys that should be should be getting opportunities and should be pushing for full time jobs. And if you go out and you get a pulley Yarvi you're just sort of getting in the way of what you already have. It's like, it, it's, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. I, it, three years ago, Puyo Yarvi now would have been a conversation. The Avs had a little bit more room to give a guy like that second line minutes, but yeah, definitely as a contender. And, and this ties into the conversation we were already having where to get, success out of a reclamation progress project you have to give them opportunity yeah you have to put them in a position to succeed yep and the avs don't really have the space in their lineup to do that anymore unless it's at the cost of someone else like a martin kaut like uh, andre burakovsky someone has to not be playing in the top six for someone like pool party to come in and play in the top six yeah so yeah so it's Kind of different questions there, just because Puliyarvi specifically doesn't really do much for them, but they're not too good for reclamation projects. I just think they need to be pickier Specific. with, yeah, pickier than they have been in the past, where they're like, "Oh, what's this? This guy was a first round pick in 2013. Well, we Maybe want him he's good at something. It's more like." Here's a guy who is good at something, and maybe there's some upside somewhere else in his game. Yeah. Like Colorado has an, has a reclamation project of their own on their hands already in Tyson Jost. Yep. So if they're going out and getting one, then they have to move him out. Yeah, that's another way point. to look at it for sure. Like, yeah. So AJ, that's, anyway. I know you're a pretty big fan of the Marvel stuff. Are you a fan of DC at all? Not not a big not a big DC guy. Okay, I don't know if we'll have a good answer for this question then. But uh, Luke asks Green Lantern versus Thanos. Thanos, not even close. Yeah, that's the Mad Titan, dude. All right, what if it's before he has like the Infinity Gauntlet though? He's still the Mad Titan. All right, so Green Lantern gets his butt kicked. Confirmed. I mean, Green Lantern is cool and all, and like I think the concept behind it is 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 really neat. But yeah, <laughs> I think Matt Titan probably wins that one. I don't think you're wrong. If only that the Green Lantern movies have been not very good. Oh man, 
a Ryan Reynolds movie is rough. <laughs> so we're we're going with Thanos on that one, and we do have to take our second period break as well. Green Mountain Dental Group, the best family dentist in the Denver metro area, located just 15 minutes from downtown over in Lakewood. Got to check them out if you need to get your teeth all checked. Our sales manager, Lindsay, went there a couple months ago, even during these weird times with COVID and everything. They make sure they're taking care of everything, super safe. Everyone's got their masks on, doing the things they need to do. And she said it was a great experience as well, getting her wisdom teeth removed there. One of the best experiences with dentists she's ever had. They even make sure you're all set up before and after, giving you reminder postcards beforehand and making sure you're okay after the fact checking up on you as well plus when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam they give you a free sonicare toothbrush for the lazy of us who don't like brushing the electric toothbrush does all the work for you you're good to go with that so schedule your cleaning x-ray and exam with green mountain dental group today Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Still going through your questions here. A handful more to go through. Meeks asks, who do you think are the biggest UFA landmines this year? Any any obvious or sneaky ones? Um, Well, I mean, I think Brighton Holtby is an obvious one, right? Definitely. That dude has been regressing for the past three years. Some team is going to pay him to be a starting goaltender, and it might go full Bobrovsky. Yeah. Um, I think that, boy, I think there's there's quite a bit. Um, I mean, I think Petrangelo is kind of a sneaky one because I think somebody will probably give him more Way term. too many years, yeah. If somebody gives him six or seven years, man, they are seriously rolling the dice against history. Yep. Um, and that's – I just think that that's so – I if I was if I was running a team, I would be very hard-pressed to ever sign contracts for non-franchise players beyond the age of 34. Yeah. And 34, I, it would be, we're talking like 34 is because Nathan McKinnon is a free agent when he's 26 and I sign him to an eight-year deal. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like that's <laughs> that's where that guy's getting the 34. Um, I'm, I, boy, that's tough. Um, I think that um, you have to worry a little bit about Hoffman because the skating isn't great. Still and now, yeah. if, if the legs go at all, uh, a lot of times that's a big, a big deciding factor in when the shot goes. Yep. And if his shot goes, he's, his value goes. Yep. So I would say you got to be careful about Hoffman. Um you need to be careful about offensive defensemen in general because of the way that they age, but especially a guy like Tyson Berry, who is so reliant on rushing pucks up the ice. Um, again, well, you don't know when he's going to lose half a step, but when it goes, a lot of what makes him valuable goes with it. Whereas a guy like Shattenkirk was never really a, he was more of a puck distributor than a puck yeah. rusher. And so you you could see Shattenkirk aging better than a guy like Barry 
because he's he's still going to be able to whip pucks around the ice, even if his legs aren't what they used to be. The thing with Barry, especially in his first year in a new team, just like we saw with Toronto this year, if you don't understand what you're getting into with a player like that when you go out and acquire him, he's going to struggle in your systems. Yeah, he's a wild horse that you really have to just let him be him. Uh, yep. And we saw we saw Bednar really struggle with that, uh, trying to figure out how to get the best out of him. And he did. Ultimately, he figured it out. And Barry was Barry was great at what he does well. Um, but like you look at like Barry's out in the market versus like a Tory Krug. Uh, yep. Those are those are way different guys and how they succeed for sure. Um, so I would say different diff, different risk assessments when you're looking at both of them. Um, Landmine, I mean, if you're going to give Taylor Hall a seven-year deal, that's a landmine. Yeah, more on the obvious side, I would say Wayne Simmons. I, obviously, he's not going to get paid what he's yeah. making now, but it, I think that's a, that's a one-year deal yeah. just because the of the way that it's gone for him lately. You're, like he has he had twenty-something points you, last year. You shouldn't feel comfortable even with a one-year deal on that guy. That's a dude whose body is just breaking down on him. Yeah, well, yeah, he had a bunch of surgeries. He broke down several years ago. And then he's just not been the same on the other side. And I think that's, you know, he had the name recognition and he had kind of the the willingness to see what he could do that Colin Wilson doesn't, but their bodies have broken down in similar ways. Yep. Um, and so I, I just think, I would say a guy like Chris Tanev, um, yeah. the way that he's broken down uh, over the years, again, like, that's a landmine. If you're going to give that guy, if you're going to give that guy like a four-year deal, and think that you're going to get twenty-five-year-old Chris Tanev, you're going to be really, really disappointed. Yep. So, yep. and that's you know that's something that a team like Winnipeg might try and talk themselves into, because cost-effective and he's willing to sign for multiple years, and they've got to try and do something, right? So, you know, I think that guy, that guy is scary. You have to know what you're getting in Sammy Votnin, which is 40 games a year. Yeah, he's just. You know? uh, we have another question on this, so we'll just we'll just tie it in. Uh, I'm not sure. Nick asks thoughts on Sammy Vatnin and Travis Hamanick. No, I, very I, few thoughts. I have no thoughts on Hamanick. I don't. The Avs shouldn't touch him. Yeah. Vatnin led with a lot of convincing. Maybe I could be talked into him in a situation where. He's a rotating D, and the abs have moved some D out, and you can run Byram and Timmons with Vatten and like rotating in as well or something. But there, it doesn't make a ton of sense for the abs. Put it it that really, way. yeah, it it really doesn't. Um, taking Vat- a chance on a guy that, uh, taking a chance on a guy that is, is constantly hurt. Yeah. Like it's just you're already dealing with Eric Johnson. Like you'll need to go sign a guy that hurts you you know that, or that gets hurt every year yep not a bad player just totally unreliable and given their strength at the position right now and the young guys and all that it's just not worth it yeah uh i would have a hard time arguing with that the abs it, it's the same story on the forward side if the abs are going out and getting someone it should be a significant upgrade yeah it's either I've always it's it's either got to be the an obvious upgrade or it's got to be a one year deal on a guy like Grandland where you're just rolling the dice on upside, and if it works out then you know you go from there and if it doesn't then you can cut bait after a year and move on. It, yep. 
you you either make a one year deal or you make a real commitment to a guy. Uh, that's an obvious obvious upgrade. Yeah, I one hundred percent would much prefer the obvious upgrade than the one year deal myself. Oh, yeah, just the the real commitment of of Taylor Hall at big money at, at high AAV and short term. Yep. If you're if it's forward, you're addressing. A uh, question I mentioned we would get to earlier. Any thoughts about a seventh D type, especially if we're planning on moving one of Graves and Zadorov and not re-signing Kanaten? Seems like that the Avs will take a swing on one. Um, we've talked about this a little bit before, and they might ultimately get one, but there's also the potential of using Jacob McDonald as the the dual seventh forward. 13th for or sorry 13th 14th forward 7th defenseman on the bench. Yeah. Um at the same time, you know, if you're you're looking in the market, there's a ton of those guys out there. Yep. You know, you you want a Trevor Van Riemsdyk or a Brandon Manning or uh Nathan Bullio, Oscar Fantenberg. Uh you know, Pick a name, basically. <laughs> any any of those types of guys, uh, Ben Hutton, you know, uh, that's okay. Derek Forbort, geez, yeah, okay. Like those guys are those guys are all going to be out there and available. It's um, it's a little bit of a different situation, right? Because at that point, you're not talking about a reclamation project. You're talking about a player who knows he's the seventh D on the team, yeah. isn't expecting to get consistent ice time or anything like that. Yeah. You sign him and you have that conversation. You're like, Hey, we'll give you, we'll give you a two year deal. We're going to give you a million dollars a year. That way we can bury your ass in the AHL if we want, but you'll still be making NHL money. Yep. And you're going to, you're not going to play very much. You're going to be there if we need you. And that's, that's what we want you to do. Are you down with that? And if he's like, uh, I'm going to go try and find better opportunity. Power to him, yeah. They love you. Yep. That's, and that's what you get with those type of situations. Yeah. You end up with, with leftover type of guys that are willing to take NHL money and, and kind of play out the end of their career at the NHL level. Yeah. So absolutely. I mean, you look at what they got out of Barbario, you look at what they got out of um, I mean, Nemeth, I guess, kind of elevated to a little more regular, but um him and then what you got out of Kanaten, and you're like, look, those are all the that's the archetype. Yep. It's not gonna be somebody that you're like, you know, I actually kind of really like that guy. It's gonna be a guy with big flaws in his game where if he plays more than a handful of games in a row, you're gonna be like Right. Very good, if he? it's someone that people actually like, some team's going to sign him and give him a top six spot. <laughs> okay, somebody's going to make him a regular. That's why that's why we're not having conversation about a guy like uh, Dylan DeMello, for example. Right. Or that's an NHL player, NHL right. player, yeah. Or or like um, a Radko Gudas or a Justin Braun. Like somebody's going to put those guys in their top six. Yep. So you know, yeah, it's. It's just the reality of of bench warmer type players. Yeah. So the reality of the seventh D, and that's it's totally fine. Yep. Uh, I I agree with you on that one. Next question comes from Rich. Kind of uh, a few more names that we're just kind of dipping into here. 
Kyle Clifford or Josh Anderson, if you had to pick one as the Evs? Oh, well, Josh Anderson, easily, running away. Josh Anderson gives you an upside that Kyle Clifford just doesn't. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'm not even – if Kyle Clifford was an option, I wouldn't even be that interested in him in general. I yeah, know, he's, I know some people are, but it doesn't really provide a significant upgrade for the Avs. Right. I'm, I mean, what is – you're talking about, okay, that fills that niche that – there's always those people that are, oh you need a you need another banger on your fourth lineup. He's got championship experience and he, he plays a heavy game and Dude's you're hoping twenty one points. You're hoping he gives you fifteen points and it's yeah. just like you don't really need that guy right now. Dude's just that dude is never going to be that impactful to your bottom line unless he's otherworldly defensively, which Kyle Clifford isn't. So right and and like Josh Anderson, I mean that's. It's weird that that's the choice uh, because Josh Anderson has like real upside as a top nine forward uh, yeah. and as a as a guy that you drop in uh, to your lineup and you're like, hey, he's he's had a little bit of trouble staying healthy at times, but this guy can this guy can flat out shoot. Yep, and you know he he does have a power element to his game. He does play a physical game, but there's more than that. He brings he brings more than just that. So if he's healthy and and he rolls in at a hundred percent, I like Josh Anderson a lot more. The question is, is that Josh Anderson would have to be acquired via trade, and Kyle Clifford, you just have to give a two-year deal to. That's true, but I guess my baseline for the acquisition of players like Kyle Clifford, Clifford is this: What do you believe Martin Cout can provide the Abs next season? Yeah, is this <laughs> is this more impact than what Cout gives you? And with Kyle Clifford, I think the answer is no. I 100% agree that the answer is no. And if the answer to that question is no, then the Avs have no need for that guy. Yeah. And Josh Anderson, the answer is yes. He could definitely give more than Josh or more than Martin Kaut, but somebody would have to go like somebody would have to, you'd have to move a forward out. There would have to be a Tyson Jones going the other way. Yep. Uh, One final question we have here. Uh, Shot, shot in the dark here. No pressure. Just pick, pick a team. Where do Petrangelo and Hall end up after free agency is said and done? Um, I think one of them certainly is ending up in Calgary. Okay. Uh, they not only do they have a million UFA defensemen, but they've got the cap space. Um, I also think that they're going to make some big deals in their forward core. Um, that that shake up and move some of that money around a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think one of them ends up. One of them ends up right. in Calgary. So one in Calgary. Are we getting both of them in the West, or is one going east? Um, I tell you, the other team, the other team that makes me nervous in free agency is Dallas. Yeah, they're they are consistently aggressive. They have no. They have no issues going old. Um, I will say, if they win the cup, I don't know. I don't know how much that might change a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much they. Um, try to run it back with the same philosophy, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if they win. If they win the cup, then I think that they can just kind of pack it in for a year and be like, okay. We're going to transition some of the some of these old guys out of here, and um, maybe use next year to 
you know, because they've got to be realistic in a normal in a normal environment. Eighty two games going into the postseason, like I'm, I get, one, I get it. Like I'm still hating on the stars or whatever, but like I, I just don't trust I mean, them. Just be realistic in a in the full part of the season. This was a team that was fading fast at the end they, of the regular season. They were totally falling apart, and then they continued that at the beginning of the round robin. They they caught fire uh in and totally went against their dna uh and then also got really lucky with injuries along the way in both of their first two first two series really in all three series really in all four series you look at it Give they've it gotten they've gotten the better <laughs> end of the injury yeah. luck you know calgary loses matt matt kachuk the avs obviously had all their problems mark stone was playing at like 40 percent in that series and then no Stamkos, and then Point is clearly hurt as well in that in in the in the Cup Finals. Like, yep. Like they they really you know they they've really gotten and we always talk about it. You have to get lucky in the injury front to win a win a championship, and they've got that. They have that box checked to hell and back. But across a, across a full season, I don't know. But I think they make a lot of sense for a guy like Petrangelo because they could lock that guy. They could go into next season with Haskin and Petrangelo and then Lindell and Klingberg. And and Pretty not have scary to scary top four D, yeah. And not have to worry about what happens uh at the expansion draft too much. Well, they would have to because they have a ton of NMCs. Radulov, Radulov, Pavelski, Ben and Sagan are all on NMCs, so they'd have to protect those guys. And so they'd probably be looking to, to move maybe like a Klingberg out. But if they wanted to, if they wanted to try and run it back and go hard, uh, I could see them going after, honestly, both Hall and Petrangelo. I, I think that's that's part of the reality with Dallas too. Is why they might want to be aggressive. Look, when you build your team older, your window for winning the cup is not going to be as long. It's just it's not. year to year. Yeah. You're seeing how guys break down and how they don't. Pavelski gives you hope that it's one more year. And if they want to go hard for another year, targeting someone like Petrangelo might be realistic. It's just a question of how hard do they want to go all in? Yeah. I mean, going after a hall would be realistic too. He would fit yeah. he, the way that he plays would fit with them nicely. Have him feeding pucks to Sagan all day, basically. Yeah. So they, uh, I think I think they're they're a team that you keep an eye on. Um, you know, Haskinen is Haskinen is next year's contract problem. You you deal with that in a year. Um, the same way Colorado with Landeskog and McCarr, they can they can kind of bounce that ball down the road, and then um, those guys that they have to send like Roddick Fox is not going to take up very much money. Gurionov, Hints, those those guys are they've they've all had like nice individual seasons, but none of those guys should be. Um, big cap guys, and they only have one more year until they they lose a lot of these. A lot of money comes off their books. Yep, they already have Sekera falling off too on the defensive side. So, yeah, but I mean, like they, in a, in a year, they've got you yeah, know, they've, 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 the old guys they signed are all right. Well, and like Cogliano and Como come off the books, and et cetera. So, like a, a bunch of these guys are going to be coming off the books in the next year or two. They can. They can manage that cap easily. I could do it on cap friendly today. Yep. Okay. So you said Calgary and Dallas. Those are two teams. Those are two teams I'm legitimately nervous about out West. 
Uh, to be honest with you, the Rangers still make a lot of sense. They've got 14 mil. They don't have too many big contracts coming up. And they're a year removed. They're a year away from um, having Bre- um, Brendan Smith, Mark Stahl coming off their books and, and Lundquist coming off their books, which they may buy him out anyway. But yeah, but they've got, I mean, that's, if they wait one more year, that's a 19 million coming off their books just in those three expiring contracts. Yep. So they, I think the Rangers, uh, they've got the flexibility. They could always trade those guys to a team too and say, hey, take this guy for a year, take his money. We're going to make it worth your while. We'll give you, you know, we'll give you a third round pick um, to to just bury this guy's money for a year, just just to eat it, just to have it for free. Give us a Give us a conditional seventh. Uh, and have it be a condition that never conveys, of course. But the Rangers, the Rangers still have plenty of money, you know, because they don't need to bring like Ryan Strom is really like their only. Hey, this guy could get a serious raise because they should definitely trade Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, sure. It honestly. I'm not even that in if the big name free agents go out east, fine, whatever. I wouldn't even care at that yeah. point. But how serious should we be taking these names, at least one of these names, to the Avs? Um, I still think I still think Hall and the Avs make make sense. I think that match just makes sense, especially on a short on a short term deal where Hall knows the money won't be what it used to be for pre COVID, but if he goes out and he signs and he plays in Colorado for a year or two and he plays in the top six and he stays healthy, there's a really good chance he puts up career career numbers and puts himself in line for a major payday in a, in a couple of years. Yep. Especially if cap goes up and like, even if the cap doesn't go up, the big, big, big thing that teams will be able to do moving forward is plan. Yep. Because they will be able to, they will this offseason is unique in that it it teams were I mean do you remember we were talking about an 88 million dollar cap Half like we were the season yeah there was there was potential for a 7 million dollar jump in 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 the salary cap this year yep going into this offseason and that's what teams were looking at and so there was no planning going on that was obviously the high end the low end was like 2 million but even that is a lot of space for a lot of teams so that's that's the big thing that won't happen this offseason, but in in subsequent years where the flat cap won't be as big a story because teams will have planned for it. They will have signed contracts this year with future flat cap years in mind. And this year that they didn't have a chance to plan for it. So everybody's operating on the fly together. And uh, that's why a Taylor Hall two year, two or three year deal and then he goes bananas, the cap goes up, the cap doesn't go up, whatever. Teams will be able to carve out space for a superstar guy like that to go out there and, and get him in free agency, and he can go get a huge payday somewhere. Yeah. I, I still think I'm. it just makes the most sense. It uh, does. It does. If, you're, if you're Taylor Hall and you're like, hey, I want to have my cake and eat it too. I want to compete for a cup. I want to be in the playoffs. I want to get paid good money, uh, and I want to set myself up for the future. The you're looking at are pretty darn juicy, yeah, yeah, and you're looking at him, and the abs, the abs can offer all of those things, 
plus they offer him a chance to produce at a really high level to get paid again. And like, this is a dude that's already made over $40 million in his career. Yep. Like this isn't, this isn't the guy who's like desperate. Oh, I need one payday to set me up. If he needs a, if he needs a big payday, he's really screwed up his money. Cause he's made a ton of money in his career already. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I, I'm excited because I do think Hall especially is a very realistic target for the Avs. And it's free agency. Some team could roll it and say, hey, we'll pay you $10 million for seven years and he can't turn that down or whatever. Yeah. But uh, conversations should be real when it comes to Taylor Hall and the Avs. And and maybe Petrangelo too. Who knows? But we'll see how it plays out. And the Avs should definitely have their hat in the ring. Yeah. And if he doesn't want it, then that's fine. Like, yep. Colorado is smart to draw the line and not to chase these guys, you know, mouth agape and tongue wagging. Right. You've got to be smart about it. Yep. Offer where you're comfortable. And then when you hit that point, you stop. You don't get into a bidding war against your own interests. And yep. that's, that's where a lot of teams go wrong in free agency. It's a good way to uh, blow up your cap situation and, and make it real hard for yourselves to win. All right. Yeah. We're going to get out of here for the day on that note, as we do have a guest coming on tomorrow. AJ, who is it? Uh, what's tomorrow? The, Wednesday? Yeah. Uh, we've got men, Matt Vincell from Pittsburgh to come on and talk about why he did not have Nathan McKinnon in his top five heart trophy ballot. So there you go. We can. We're uh, also. I think we're also going to transition that conversation into talking about the big piece that was on ESPN today about players and their happiness in the bubble and whether or not they would do it again and some of the problems and some of the things where these guys are just being entitled millionaires where they're just whiny and some of the legitimate gripes that they had. I thought it was a fascinating story. You should definitely go read it. Emily Kaplan did a great job getting all those quotes from players. And really providing us with the kind of look that we never got inside the bubble because they didn't let independent media in naturally. Yeah. I, the article was interesting. I'll put it that way. If you haven't read it, read it, I was I was pretty surprised by some of the stuff in there. But definitely give it a read and and yeah, we'll talk about it tomorrow. So before we get out of here, we do have to let you guys know about Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Bronco fans, but proud CSU alums. And they've supported DNBR for a long time here as members. They're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial services experience. And since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. Again, dnvrmortgage.com or you can call Virginia directly at 303-257- Six five seven eight. Michael Chevalier and MLS number one nine three one zero zero six. Virginia Chevalier and MLS number one nine one zero six three one. 
All right. Thank you, as always, for listening, watching, however you consume the pod. If you're on YouTube and you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, be sure to hit that button. It helps us out a ton. But we are out of here for the day, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.